0: Ladies and gentlemen, goobers and ghouls, dear listeners, welcome back to Fear Boners. presented by the Down in Front podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and I am so glad to be back with you, ghouls and ghoulettes, my dear listeners. For this episode in particular, we're going to be diving into something I've spoken about, previously, and if you have an Amazon Prime membership, which a lot of people nowadays do, or even if you don't, you can always borrow someone's login, there's ways around these things. One of the things that I have noticed on Amazon Prime, especially the Prime streaming service where you can see all their free film content and stuff like that, is that they have a plethora, a veritable smorgasbord of horror anthologies. and. Recently, upon looking there the, over the last couple of days, they've actually updated it quite a bit um, with a, a, a load of new anthologies from 2018 to 2019, which is really exciting because a lot of this is new, great indie stuff, which is fun to see. So before I get into that and the the couple of ones that I watched recently, I'll get into what I'm drinking and what I'm watching, as we do. And right now what I'm drinking is just drinking some water because, honestly, I'm trying to be a good boy right before we roll into summer where there's going to be a lot of opportunities to be enjoying myself drinking outside in the sun with, blood. let's be honest, not, not friends, just drinking by myself in the sun. I'm trying to gear up for that, so hydrating quite fiercely. And besides that, uh, I actually just over the weekend watched the recently added show on Netflix, Black Summer, which is actually a... A spin-off is what I heard of the show Z Nation if you're familiar with that show produced by The Asylum on Sci-Fi Network which is kind of like Walking Dead if Walking Dead had more of a sense of humor. I've always really enjoyed Z Nation. I remember hearing about Black Summer and getting kind of excited and not knowing like when or what it would do- like I I had a feeling that it would take place Before the outbreak or like as the outbreak was happening because when we're first introduced the characters in z nation They're like in it and with black summer. It's kind of it's similar I mean, you're you're fairly in it, but I guess as they refer to that during the show This is the summer where it all went down when it first came about So it's interesting to see a much more serious take on the world of z nation because it's not You're not going to see any crossovers of the characters, you know and love if you do watch z nation but you are introduced to this cavalcade of brand new characters that you do get to like, you do get to uh, enjoy their characterizations, their friendships, their development along the way. But the one thing this show does that I'm really into is that not only is no one safe, but they do not shy away from just killing who you would assume would be like the favorite character. So you're introduced, it's interesting that the way that they actually develop the episodes, because Each episode is about 25-30 minutes, and it's broken up by chapters. And these chapters have title heads that either introduce you to a character, or they introduce you to um, something that happens. So the first episode is all about introducing you to characters who you think are going to be the main characters. But by the end of like the second or third episode, most of them are dead. Um, And in some cases, you're not actually being introduced to living characters. In, I think, a couple cases, you're actually introduced to people who are immediately zombified And then you sort of see them develop as zombies. And by develop, I mean last for a little while before God knows what happens to them. And I think that's pretty interesting because I don't think in other zombie media especially zombie television media we don't see the other side so that's pretty cool the way it's shot's really interesting it's very dynamic some of the stuff towards the end of the series is a little hokey especially the last episode but it is a quick watch i would definitely recommend people checking it out it's eight episodes long and again i said episodes are 25 to 30 minutes so it's a super easy watch i watched it not i'm not going to say in one sitting but i turned it on early in the evening and finished it getting a, a late bedtime so I finished it pretty quickly. It's a good one seater too because it basically just feels like a really long movie, like a television event kind of. So that's fun. It's on Netflix, Black Summer. Check it out if you get the opportunity. And with that, we're going to roll into what we're talking about, which is the horror anthologies that have been added to Amazon Prime streaming service, and two of the ones that I wanted to highlight for you today, dear listeners, are the 72-hour Horror film race, I believe is what it was called. It's very it's very basic I wasn't gonna dive too deep into it But it's kind of fun to watch because I have myself been part of uh, 24-hour film festivals where basically you only have a day to Script shoot and edit and release a movie. This is basically along that same idea But in this case, it's horror themed and beyond that they had the theme of making films around the idea of a serious mistake and then they have 72 hours to script, film, edit, release. And so the cool thing about this being on Amazon, though, is that not only do you get to see these really fun short films that were put together in 72 hours, but before each one is introduced, they actually give the the creators, the director, and sometimes the stars... A minute or two to basically introduce the movie either tell you about it or like how their creative process worked or where the ideas came from and that's really cool for me at least I've made films kind of not seriously just for fun and I find the creative process very interesting so I thought hearing from the people who actually worked on these films was really neat because you don't see that too often and it sort of brings you out of it but it also gets you more excited what you're going into in a couple of cases the videos that were included sort of ruin the, the films themselves, but that's okay. I mean, I think for this, it's more of a, a competition. I don't know if there was a winner of this. I haven't had much chance to actually look further into it, but I guess they do. One of the other gentlemen who introduced his film also says apparently they have a 24-hour version of this horror marathon as well, so that's pretty cool. But those ones are really fun and really cool and really quick, so that one's pretty easy to, to get through, and there's a lot of fun things that go on in there. Some of them are Some of them are kind of hard to get through. Some of them directly say... A serious mistake so it's like you have that moment where you're like oh they said the lie they said the title of the movie but you know the act for for what it is for how quick they probably had to scramble to get all these people together like the acting's pretty good in most of them the production value is pretty good the special effects like these people had connections they knew exactly who to reach out to when they were put in this position or they had time to prepare at least which is fair that's fair but yeah so if you have a chance to look for that on prime I'm trying to think of any of the ones that sort of stood out to me. The only ones I can kind of remember are the ones that kind of sucked. There's a couple that are sort of laughably bad, and more so from the acting standpoint, but it's still, you know, you can push through it. It's not it's not too distracting. It doesn't make you want to shut it off. Honestly, I sort of had it on in the background, and I would sort of stop what I was doing if there was one that I enjoyed. It was kind of, it was like flipping through a magazine, and you stop on, like, articles that you're interested in or stop for a picture that you want to look at. So you have that option with this, which is nice. The... Second one that I'll probably dive a little bit deeper into is one that I remember seeing the trailer for a while back and was intrigued because it was fairly interesting looking from that standpoint but also the production value looked pretty pretty mid level it reminded me a lot of um Creepshow 1 and 2 not well not Creepshow 3 the one that shall not be named or mentioned but it also has sort of a uh, a monsters vibe if you remember that show we did a review on fear boners a little while back so basically the premise is it's very pulpy it's very grindhousey at times which is sort of fun but there's a girl like a young girl and her babysitter we're introduced to like this dynamic where this girl's getting ready in the beginning one of the one of the themes that keeps recurring is women in the shower or getting out of the shower and weird shit happening And so that keeps happening in the beginning. And I'm wondering, is this going to be a play? Is this going to be a thing that keeps happening throughout the film? But it only happens in the first two or three interjections in the film. But the first one is the babysitter. And then I think the second one is the widow, who I'm going to explain. I'm going to backtrack a little bit to explain. And before I get deep, deep, deep into this, be aware that I probably am going to spoil the film. Not that there are many spoilers and again honestly this was another one that I had on in the background and kind of was paying probably 85 to 90 percent attention to so I know that in previous episodes I've basically gone through and given like a full spoilery step one step two steps like going through the entire movie which I won't be doing here but I still recommend people see this film so in the beginning there's this girl in the shower she has like a weird instance where basically the water turns to muck which she references later in the film but I don't know why it was important or why it was it was almost like this weird nightmare just to kind of get get you going getting the the creepy vibe or what you're going to kind of have because this this movie has a a really strong vibe of sort of 80s schlock like it definitely is a tribute to 80 cinema the thing of it too is you can't really get a feel for the time the movie was supposed to be re- released, or where when it was supposed to take place, because it definitely looks like the 80s or early 90s from like the main overarching story that some of these anthology films have. So the the story is the babysitter's getting ready. She goes to the house and she's babysitting this girl. The parents leave almost immediately. They're negligible; those characters pretty much. And there's this tenuous dynamic between the babysitter and the girl. The girl is watching. Uh, a bunch of shitty television shows and she basically wants to watch the Freak of the Week or the the Tales from the Crypt-esque local access show called Skeletons in the Closet. Hey, they said the name of the movie. And it looks really cool. Basically, the premise of this show is there's a woman who murdered her husband in a fit of jealous rage but kept his dead body in their basement so that she could still watch horror movies with him every week. And... It's kind of funny. Like, I would love if this show actually existed because the Nydamic is this this beautiful blonde woman sits on a couch with her dead husband, who is, in fact, a talking corpse, and they basically co-host and riff on the, the shorts that they watch. It's really cool. I like the look, even though, like, the corpse makeup on the dead husband is kind of hokey. It's still pretty funny. He throws in some quips and one-liners throughout the film. But they're basically emceeing in between the shorts. But there's multiple layers to these shorts. So not only do you have the overarching story of the girl being babysit, but you have each movie that they're watching in the show, every short horror film that they're introducing through this show called Skeletons in the Closet, and then beyond that, the short films are interconnected with this other story. So, of course, everything's going to be connected in the end, and it pretty much is. You find out by the end credits that everything, everything, not only just like the the shows in Skeletons in the Closet and Skeletons in the Closet, but also the girl and the babysitter and everything that happens there. So essentially, we are treated to, I don't know, maybe like 15, 20 minute long. It's only about an hour and a half long, a little longer than that maybe. There's a cool creepy one to start off with, like an evil demonic grandmother who may or may not have killed her husband. Spoiler, she totally killed and ate her husband. And it's sort of funny because they did a really great job getting a creepy lady uh, to play the grandmother and the dynamic between the mom and the grandmother's force because I guess the the grandmother didn't tell the daughter when her dad died. There's a lot of I mean, you only have so much time to to stuff story into these movies. But then in between the movies, the parts that didn't make sense or were a little confusing the corpse and the widow sort of explain. Like for example at the end of that one we find that like yes the grandma is possessed and she is grinding human meat in the basement to feed herself and she fed some of it to the daughter as well. So to the young daughter. So she's basically cannibalizing her family. It's assumed that she ate the the dad and all this other stuff, but then towards the end, there's this throwaway scene where a grocer's clerk comes and drops off a delivery of groceries, and he's asking to make sure that the old woman's okay, and then he can't find her, and then he's looking, and he hears some weird noises coming from the pantry, opens the pantry, and the little girl is eating the grandma's corpse. Surprise! And that's when I was sort of thrown for a loop, because I didn't realize. Sure, throughout the whole short, the girl was having these visions of being demonic, and there's all this flickering that kind of, like, grindhouse-ish flickering that takes you in and out of the movie because there's again those multiple layers where not only are you seeing what's happening in the movie but you're also seeing what's happening outside the movie in the living room with the girl and the babysitter because their relationship evolves because the babysitter really doesn't want to be watching this thinks that the girl should not be watching this thinks that she's being basically having one put over on her because she's like have your parents ever actually seen this show like do they know that you're watching this garbage for me at least it was kind of hard to 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 believe because The girl is so ready and so eagerly awaiting the show and she has the t-shirt and she has all the merchandise and she knows all the stuff the trivia about the show but even the channel that it's on like it's channel 13 and they're like ah channel 13 fuck yeah like you hear that multiple times throughout the the film because the aesthetic is again very 80s but also there's just so much stuff that there's also like fake infomercials and fake commercials so it reminds me a bit of the um I can't remember the name of the channel, but there's this great movie that's a Halloween special that looks like it was recorded like the Star Wars Christmas special, like it's on bad VHS and there's fake commercials, so it's a, it's very much like that as well. Or if you've seen Ghost Watch, which was recently up on Shutter, that was like a, a BBC or Channel Four British version of that, where they did like a a haunted house expose that turned out to be real. So they do this great like faux... Channel, but every other every other word out of the channel representative's mouth is like, oh, fuck yeah, or like, we're getting so high, wake and bake with Channel 13, get wasted with us, oh yeah, and it's like, I don't remember that much about TV from the 80s, because I was only there for a few years, but... I don't think it was ever that wacky. Like, this almost seems like a like a channel that would exist in, like, the UK or in Canada where they can get away with a lot more censor-wise on basic TV. But it is sort of funny because the girl is just sitting there like an idiot, grinning, watching the show, laughing her ass off. And the TV's just like, "Oh, fuck you, you'll watch it. <laughs> and so the TV is almost a character in itself, which is pretty great. But there are times where you kind of have a hard time telling which TV you're actually watching. And from there, then we're sort of introduced... Before even the first short, there's this guy who has... He's got, like, butcher's garb on, and he's got a a guy who's wrapped in plastic, and it's sort of taken out, like, the titles of the first movie are interwoven with that, and he's talking to him, and he's talking a lot about, like, you deserve this, this is what, like, you're where you belong, and, like, all this stuff. And it's sort of disconnected from the the first story. Because the first story, I believe, is called Chop Shop, and you think this is going to have something to do with it, but then it takes a weird left, and then it's the cannibalistic grandma... But then, after the cannibalistic grandma, we're sent back to the living room. The little girl and the babysitter have like a sassy back and forth, where the babysitter just keeps like being more and more of a jerk to the little girl for liking the show and thinking she's weird. And it's like, whatever, screw you. She's a little girl. She can like whatever she wants. But then, there's an intercut with a live news story that cuts through the show itself and says, and of course, here's where the other layer of the movie comes through. There's an escaped mental patient, and nobody knows where he is, and he's roaming about, and people have seen him in this area. Oh, shit, the area that they're in. So that's happening in real life. And then it just cuts back to the show. So now we know that that's happening outside of the TV, but then we go back inside the TV to the widow and the corpse who are explaining the plot holes from the first movie, and then they put in another one. And this is where I'm trying to remember what came next. I think it was there was a short that I don't think it's the one short that I don't believe was connected to anything but there's one it's really kind of stream of consciousness but it's basically a woman is strapped to a chair and she talks about like it's very it's a very monolog and it makes sense when you get to the end of it and you realize that it's a woman who is practicing for a role like she's an actress but at the same time she dreams of murdering her husband which is why she took the role because in the role she gets to murder her husband who abuses her and it's there's this great throwaway line where, in real life... And this is, this goes back to why you can't tell where it takes place. Because the movie... The flashback in the movie looks like it takes place in, like, I don't know, the 40s or 50s. Because she's dressed all, like, old fashionedy sort of. And then, when it snaps out of the flashback and you tell it's the, the actual actress woman... She's dressed very modernly. And it looks like a modern basement. It's redone. And the guy comes down. The husband comes down. And he's just like, oh, hey, when's dinner gonna be ready? And you can tell, oh... You want to kill him because he's one of those husbands who just expects you to stay in the kitchen. All right. So she watches, she basically tapes her entire performance as she's practicing her line and practicing her motions and her actions. And she just enjoys the fact that she gets to pretend to kill her husband. It's very cathartic for her, which is great. And that one was fun, but I don't think anybody actually dies in that one, except in the actual flat—not flashback, but like the... The dream that she's imagining killing her husband, it's pretty brutal. And the practical effects and the stabbing and everything are pretty great. There's blood everywhere. And then that one, again, goes through. That was probably the shortest one. But then we're treated again to another. It snaps back to the... I'm not going to keep going back and forth and trying to tell you, like, oh, and then we're looking at the widow and the corpse. And then we're looking at the people in the living room. But slowly over time, you you get this idea of how it's going to play out. So then after a while, this is when you start to realize it's connected because then we're brought back to the guy who is Torturing the dude and like telling him how unworthy he is and you're kind of getting this feel that like maybe it's somebody who's in hell But then now you start to see there's connections because there's this part where this dude is looking around and he finds pictures of the people from the first short film and then later we find out that the girl who's possessed at the end is sort of kind of in charge of everything. I'm not sure if it's fully explained or if like you're supposed to assume that that's like an inner cut of hell. But basically what happens is from there we start realizing that that parts even connected and that like those interstitials between the clips that aren't the living room or that aren't the the basement. Let's go with that. The living room and the basement. Living room's real life, basement is the corpse and the widow watching the show on the TV. So the other interstitials, the hell interstitials, are what connect all the short films. But, which is weird, there's parts where the Widow is taking tapes in and out. Because at the end we find out there's like six tapes, because then it almost feels like the Widow and the corpse are in fact actually watching the little girl and the babysitter. Which is weird, but it's good. I know I'm doing a shit job of explaining this, and it sounds like it's way more confusing than it is, but it's actually pretty enjoyable to watch. Then I believe there's a short where there's these guys running away after robbing a it seems like it's a bank robbery, but we later find out it's a church robbery, and they killed a priest, and they get cursed, and they're in a junkyard, and then this one dude tells a an urban myth about a dude who lives at a junkyard and like reclaims and crushes victims because he was killed after like a, a heist gone bad. But it's pretty creepy, like the acting's pretty hokey, but like the effects are good, and like it's a nice little cat and mouse chase slasher type film. And, yeah, so then at that, towards the end of that movie, you get the vibe that all those guys are sort of shitheads, and they sort of all wind up, after they get killed, they wind up in the Hell Place as well. I feel like there's a short that I'm forgetting about, but if you watch this film, you can see it. There's at least one more. But they all connect in the end, in the Hell Place, because basically the demon, who is the little girl from the first one, is basically trying to get everyone together to... To do something, to, to to gather her power, or she needs to kill this person in particular for some reason. Because it gets to a point where, like, you're paying more attention to what's happening outside the TV than what's happening on the TV. But in your view, as the viewer, everything's on the TV. So, it's breaking the fourth and the fifth wall on how many ever walls there are. But then... Now, since we've been introduced to the concept of there being like a creepy mental patient stalking like the like that classic story of like the the creepy guy who broke out of the hospital or broke out of the prison, we see a point of view from outside the house, so even a further layer, he's like skulking around. He breaks into the house, and he's watching the babysitter and the girl watch this show, but he's waiting for his time to strike. So we haven't seen him yet, but there's this kind of Jason or Michael Myers-esque point of view camera where he's you hear the heavy breathing he's kind of watching them and then the tension is being ratcheted up between the little girl and the babysitter because the babysitter keeps making fun of her and the babysitter doesn't want her to watch it so she almost tries to change it a couple times but then the girl doesn't let her and then the babysitter ultimately decides to make a phone call to her boyfriend and she's talking over the movie and the girl's getting really annoyed so then in a moment of fake out the girl gets up during like another commercial break where they give, I think there's like an update on like, oh, he's been seen here, the crazy guy's been seen nearby, this and that. And they're just kind of ignoring it. And the little girl goes in the kitchen and makes popcorn and also makes hot cocoa. Now I don't like, yeah, kids love popcorn, kids love hot cocoa, but I've never considered eating hot cocoa and popcorn together. That seems like a weird combo. But anyway, I knew something was weird with that. I knew she was either trying to like get her engaged in something other than the phone. So of course the girl says, I gotta go. Hangs up the phone, starts. They have a back and forth where she's like, Oh, like, if you think this is going to let me, like, let you stay up later. First of all, a local access TV show like this wouldn't be on early. They insinuate that it's on early. Like, a show like this would probably be on 10 or later, which is probably already late for this little girl. I'm no not approved by any means, but, like, I feel like that's already pretty late, and they have this di- weird conversation about, oh, sweetening up the deal with popcorn and hot cocoa won't make me let you stay up any later. And so then the girl starts pressing her. like, oh, like, I know you like popcorn. I'm like, but try the hot cocoa. And I'm like, oh, shit, there's something. Like, there's probably, like, sleeping pills in the hot cocoa to get the babysitter to shut up or something. You don't see the, her do anything. I don't believe I remember seeing the little girl, like, slip anything in there. But that was obvious at that point. And then... That goes back and forth for a little while. She keeps looking back. She's like, you haven't tried the cocoa? And she's like, well, it looks real hot. I don't want to burn my mouth. And they tease it a few times. And then finally, finally, the babysitter drinks the hot cocoa and almost immediately goes into convulsions and starts barfing up blood. So I th- <laughs> I thought the little girl was going to try to put the babysitter to sleep, you know, just get her like whatever. No, she kills the shit out of her. Yeah, she she poisoned her and like killed her. Straight up. So the babysitter's dead, sitting on the couch covered in blood after she coughs it up all over herself. And the little girl is literally just still sitting there watching the end of the show. She watches that wrap up. And the reveal of, like, the little demon girl being behind everything and being in charge of the dude. Chopping off everyone's, like, this other guy's head. And, like, the dude. I I don't even know if you find out who the dude who was being attacked in the weird hell interstitials was in the first place. But then a bunch of the characters... A bunch of the bad, dead, evil characters from the, the movies we had been watching are now there talking at him and saying all this shit about how he deserves it and he's getting what he deserves and he's where he deserves to be. And then it's basically insinuated that he gets his head chopped off. There's a couple other funny back and forths between the widow and the corpse husband. <laughs> at some point, like there's a part... I think it's actually in the beginning. This was one of the things that I was like, why did it, why is this little girl watching this? Because almost immediately before they start the first film... The widow is like, oh, I need a bone daddy or some shit. And she just jumps on top of the corpse and they, like, simulate humping. And then I guess it's implied that they did that all through the movie. Although he's more interested watching the film and she's, like, doing the after sex, like, smoking a cigarette and being like, was it good for you? It's funny. Like, I think that part is supposed to be funny. I think there's a layer that's supposed to be, like, nonchalant, funny, and then serious they blend these layers so that you don't really know that the real bullshit's happening outside so that by the time that the little girl kills the babysitter with the poison cocoa you're like wait what the fuck happened which is great now that I'm thinking about it and saying it out loud but then after that the show wraps up the tv goes static and the little girl's still just there like creepily like watching it and like stuffing more and more popcorn in her face laughing and there's a lot of great like 80 again like throughout this film there's a lot of great 80s vibe great lighting but there's parts like the 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 movie the the actress one is you can't tell when that one takes place the junkyard one looks like it takes place in like the two thousands like or now because it, it's very modern looking so it kind of jumps all over in that way but then the movie kind of ends and you're left wondering like okay so skeletons in the closet ends there's even like a At one point, there's even, like, a promo for another, like, Night of Horror that they're going to do. And they're like, we're going to show Night of Living Dead. We're going to show Spider People. We're going to show, like, actual, like, non-copyright movies that they can just show on local access. So they had, like, this hokey commercial. And, like, the girl's eating it up. And then everything just kind of goes to static. And she's sitting there. And the the babysitter's dead. And that's it. And it starts rolling credits. And it kind of zooms out because there's this fake TV. But then... After it does like the, I guess you would call it like the mid-credit scene if this were a Marvel movie or the mid-credit tag, whatever you want to call it, it bounces back in and we do see that the escaped crazy person is still there watching. So we just saw the little girl poison the babysitter, still goes in and he has like a drill bit or something wacky that he's going to kill her with. And he looks all scarred and he's messed up. And we finally see him and he looks like, yeah, like a crazy just burn victim like weird terrifying person from like a haunted house and yeah he just runs in and i guess it's implied that he kills a little girl but at the same time i'm thinking i was like the little girl like got up a few times during the movie and like went that way like cut through to the kitchen or went to the bathroom like there were a few points where they made it very specific that she moved throughout the house how did she not see him because he was literally standing by the door for a while so either she was in on it or she knew he was coming like I, it just gets like really creepy and weird and again like a few more plot holes at the end but as far as anthologies go not the best but it's still really enjoyable it still stacks up there with tales from the crypt vault of horror hillbilly horror show but yeah it's a it's a good good anthology free for prime members you can stream it now it is skeletons in the closet it's got a fun little theme song at the end so if you like if you like fun little theme song, like it really vibed with the Pet Cemetery theme song, kind of. It's just like a, a, like a shred metal, like hair metal. I got skeletons in the closet. So like, it clearly was written for this movie, but it's fun. It's got a, it's got a great vibe. It doesn't shy away from the gore. All the effects are practical, so that's fun. Like, there's no shitty CGI throughout the film, which you see in a lot of these movies, which kind of brings you out of it. So in this case. Definitely recommend. Fun, quick little watch. It's only like an hour and a half. I think you get like four or five short films, and then you get the, again, the overarching layered tiered films that kind of happen between real life in the living room, fake life in the basement, hell life in between the movies, and then whatever the hell else is going on. So yeah, check it out. On Prime, streaming now. Both Skeletons in the Closet and the 72-hour horror film race, I believe is what it calls. You'll know it because the reason I got distracted by it was because the promo image for it has Pennywise from the new remake of It on it. And I thought that was sort of funny how they could do that without getting in trouble. So that one might not be up there that much longer if they get caught for using that image. One, to give you an idea, one actually that I'm remembering from the 72-hour film race one is this great one called Sophia, where... Not only was the introduction that was done by the makers kind of creepy, but the movie itself is kind of funny. It's like creepy and funny at the same time because basically there's this woman who's having a hard time getting an idea to write an article for. And she's working on all these ideas. She clearly works for um news publication, sort of in the vein of, like, The Onion or, like, Bustle or, like, one of those ones that, that writes satire. And so she's making a list of potential article ideas, but then ditches it because she has a date lined up, goes out on, a, out on a date with this guy. But in the meantime, she has, like, these weird dream sequences where you can tell something's bothering her, something's weird, like, on her mind. And she writes an article, and then she gets all this, like, terrible feedback from... Gamergate, incel-type dudes who were just bitching about her writing only because she's a woman. They probably didn't even read the article. And, like, it's almost... At first, you realize at the end that they're different guys, but at first, it almost looks like they took a picture of the same guy and they just put him in a different hat as he made his comments. It's kind of funny and like, sad but true way because at the same time, this is how the internet is. Shitheads like this just think they can get away with flaming people because they just don't think they're good at writing even though they didn't even bother to read it or what have you that's a that's an argument for another time but anyway this one goes throws in some some spooky not even jump scares but like some spooky imagery she goes out on a date with this guy and then he brings her back to his place cuz things go well and then she gets like a text or there's like another comment on one of her videos where it's been it's been exposed that the there's these men who have been going around like doing this basically flaming, uh, female writers and their, their topics online. And then basically there's a cult of these men who are going and kidnapping these women and killing them. And that's when she like looks up from her phone and she sees the five dudes who made the shitty comments on her article and she just gets the hell out of there. Ultimately, I think she gets caught, if I remember correctly, because it turns into, like, a cat and mouse type thing. But, like, it's really, I think it was pretty clever, and I think it was pretty well done. So, yeah, like, small little productions like that for the 72-hour one. Both of them are fun, quick watches. If you like horror, if you, especially if you like Indian amateur stuff, which I always will make time for, there's only some, like, unless I get a vibe, like, two to three minutes in, most of them I'll give at least five minutes. But if I can get, if it's past the credits, and I'm five minutes in, and I still... Mesh with the movie, I'm probably going to shut it off. And that happens very rarely. These two were very easy to sit through, even though, like I said, I had it on the background. It was more often than not, I would stop doing what I was doing to pay attention to these films. So, yeah, again, if you have Prime, check them out. 72 hour horror film race, I believe is what it's called, and Skeletons in the Closet for sure. And with that, we're always on the lookout for new and interesting horror content to watch, whether it be full-length movies, shorts on YouTube or other streaming services, anthologies, things like that of that nature. Even if you make your own independent horror content, whether it is a a film or if it is some sort of creepypasta, if you write whatever content you can get to us, be sure to send it and share it with us either by emailing it at fearbonersdifp at gmail.com or you can tweet directly at us at fearbonersdifp on twitter like i said we enjoy collaboration here and we just recently dropped our collaboration with the down in front podcast guys on our recent pet cemetery episode so if you haven't and like i said before we do enjoy collaboration here so if you haven't already we just dropped our most recent episode collaborating with the down in front guys for the Pet Cemetery remake, so go ahead and check that out. You can find links to that on both the Down in Front Twitter as well as the Fear Boners Twitter. Also, Friend of the Pod Sean recently came up to visit. We watched a whole handful of good horror movies while he was up here, so we'll probably have a few episodes to record and release to you based on the movies we saw last week. As well as Maddox and Chrissy have both been just texting and emailing me all these great ideas for stuff that we should watch and review, so needless to say, we're going to have a whole lot of free fresh, hot, new horror content for you all, dear listeners, that I'm super excited to get out to you as soon as possible. And if you like what you've heard, you can find more over on downinfrontpodcast.com. We also have a Facebook page over on facebook.com backslash downinfrontpodcast. You can also email the Down In Front guys directly at thecrew at downinfrontpodcast.com. We also have a YouTube channel where we post some of our video teasers as well as full episodes. You can look for us on there. We also have the Gamescast over on Twitch where sometimes you'll see Bryland or maybe Warren and myself playing some Monster Hunter or Spider-Man or what have you, just shooting the shit. You can find that over at twitch.tv backslash down in front podcast. We also have an Instagram where we post a lot of the art from our episodes, the title pages, as well as links directly to the episodes. You can follow us there to keep you up to date. All of these places, as well as Twitter at underscore D-I-F-P or at fearboners D-I-F-P. We will constantly keep you updated with new content when we release new things. Or you can also go back and look at our back catalog. We're well over 100 episodes at this point, so there's so much listening for you. If it's a new movie, if it's an old movie, classic movie, we have an episode for you at this point that you're probably going to want to listen to if you haven't already heard it. And also, also, also... You guys have heard me say this a few times already, but goes without saying, we love you. We love having this ongoing conversation, and we do it absolutely for free. But if for any reason you feel like you'd love to contribute and help us make sure that we get this content out to you on time, then take a look over at Patreon at patreon.com backslash down in front podcast. You can potentially sign up to uh, dedicate a dollar, five dollars a month, what have you. Even a dollar helps. Like an Arizona iced tea, the price is on the can. Every little bit helps us to get this content out to you on time, fresh and delivered to your ears, whether it be on your lunch break, on your commute to work, from work, what have you. We'd love to have you listen to us wherever you are, even if it's on the toilet. That doesn't bother us. Just don't tell us about it. So anyway, thanks again for listening. We'll be back sooner rather than later. And as always, keep it creepy and stay spooky, dear listeners.